0: All right, well, it's a new month. We got a new word to talk about and some exciting stuff for our elementary age students and parents. My name is Leslie Bolser and I'm with Core Essential Values. We are a curriculum company that writes school curriculum and provides resources for schools to be able to have really good conversations about words that are important and that matter in the development of our kids, just like the one we have planned for this month. And I'm here to talk about that today with my friend, Beth Trammell. Beth, can you introduce yourself to everybody?
1: Yeah. Hey, everyone. I am Dr. Beth Terrell. I'm a licensed psychologist and an associate professor of psychology at Indiana University East, where I also am the director of the Master's in Mental Health Counseling program. And I focus on helping parents and teachers, and frankly, any kind of grown up who is around kids uh, to make words matter for good. So, talk about communication and behavioral strategies to build connection and decrease frustration. So, um, today is a perfect day to talk about all of those things when we talk about compassion.
0: That's right. I think um, a word that definitely matters for good right, is yes. compassion. A, a very close synonym, as we talked earlier, it's very close to empathy. Um, and that's certainly something that we want to be developing in our young people. And as we look at the world around us today, it's something that we could use some more of. So as a parent, parent of elementary age students, what should I be doing to develop empathy and compassion in my child?
1: Yeah. So the interesting thing about both of these words here, empathy and compassion, is that they are both pretty complex words and they may not necessarily be words that we use in everyday life or even can define really easily for our elementary age kid. But at the end of the day, um, you know, the beauty of both these words is to have awareness of what's happening, uh, in the people around me. That's, that's kind of like empathy and then knowing that I can or should do something to help, which is kind of the compassion part. And so the good news is, um, for those of us who have our kids in the schools, um, Compassion is something they get used to doing, starting very early. So helping other people, developing uh, kind of attunement to uh, other people in your class. Like m- most elementary school teachers, and and frankly all teachers in general, develop sort of this classroom culture where we, uh, you know, understand how my body and space impacts everyone else's body and space. And so that might mean that I'm the line leader or that means I'm the special helper. I pass things out or so they kind of develop these parts of both empathy and compassion that I actually think our elementary age kids are um, are primed to be able to understand this idea of compassion and be able to do it uh, more broadly, even outside of their, their classroom.
0: Yeah, that's great. So um, if we want to be able to use that in our homes or use that in our family lives, how can we piggyback off of what they are doing in schools to have maybe a more compassionate home?
1: Yeah. So if you have more than one child, um, well, I have four. And so I don't necessarily always see compassion between siblings. You know, it's like, Somebody took the thing I wanted or they have the thing I got as a gift and then I want to whop them upside the head instead of Mm -hmm. (laughs) moving into this space of compassion and empathy. So when you have more than one uh, child piggybacking from the things that they learn at school, it can be a conversation about who are you, who have you been helping at school lately? What has been your role in being a helper lately? What have you noticed about any of your friends who may be struggling or how have you helped them? And then the conversation can pivot to be about the people in your living room or who you share a bedroom with, right? So when you help your friends at school, it's the same thing that I want you to do here at home with your brother or sister. And so um, just having kind of more explicit conversations about paralleling their behavior at school with what they're doing at home. And then if you have uh, just one child at home right now, you can still have conversations about the parent-child relationship and how they can show more compassion, do more helping things, take a break from maybe their electronic to come into the kitchen and help you while you're cooking dinner. And then explicitly saying the word um, compassion, where you notice that you know, you noticed that mommy was struggling with getting the, the meal put together. You noticed that mommy was, um, you know, frustrated that I was the only person in the kitchen cooking. And so you came in to help. That's really showing compassion. At the heart of it, it's, it's, it's sort of like one step beyond being a helper. It's noticing the struggle of someone else and then initiating the help. And so when you can set your child up in ways that they can do that, that's kind of where we can start plugging the word compassion in.
0: Yeah, that's really great. Um, so I think sometimes we have been um, we've been emphasizing how parents can set an example of each of these words or model these for particularly younger children. Um, are there any anything interesting that you've heard that parents have done or anything you've personally done? to sort of have a compassion project or or show compassion to someone else and model that for your kids?
1: Yeah, I think there's lots of opportunities to um, notice when someone else is struggling and then do something to help, right? And the, the good and unfortunate part is that you could probably have any of your family friends and you could call them and say, hey, in what way are you struggling right now? and everyone is struggling in some way all yeah. the time. I mean, you could call any one of your friends. So you may start with, maybe you start with grandma and grandpa, or maybe you start with their favorite teacher. Or you start with, start with someone close to them that they can understand, oh, okay, so how is this person struggling and what could we do? Maybe we're going to write, um, you know, get well cards to... Um, you know, someone in my class who is at home sick and and they're quarantined. Maybe we're going to um, kind of work together to get um, takeout for our neighbor who we know um, has been sick or had some sort of injury or whatever. So the idea is to help them see that um, it starts with identifying and being attuned to people who uh, might be struggling and then figuring out how we can kind of help meet that need.
0: Yeah, that's that's really fantastic. Um, I was thinking about how much this world right now is in need of compassion.
1: Mm.
0: How what I've experienced recently is that people are just just have a short fuse is the best way, I think, to describe Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. and tend to um, sort of err on the side of rushing to judgment or err on the side of getting frustrated or angry quickly just because you know, we don't really have the capacity right now to be super understanding in a lot of ways because we're all, we're all kind of in a weird spot, right? Um, so I think for parents, just personally thinking about what does compassion look like in this moment? What does compassion look like in this situation? So if somebody makes a mistake with your food order or with whatever it may be, instead of being frustrated, just remembering to think, what does compassion look like? If I were in that situation, how would I want someone to show me compassion and care? Um I think we're just missing it a little bit right now and hopefully we'll be able to come back to a place where there is some compassion, but I don't know, I just feel like in the day-to-day operation of the world right now it's um it's harder to come by.
1: I couldn't agree more and, you know, I think the way I see it, um We have been in a state of emotional fatigue and high stress and potentially high levels of kind of social isolation for a while now. And so if, if I sort of look at, like, if you picture one of those like thermometer visuals where you're like, oh, the red uh, bar of the thermometer is going higher and higher and higher, um, I'm trying to create a visual here for you, but the way I see it, it's like right now the thermometer is filled almost to the top, just, just on an everyday basis, because we're so emotionally fatigued and we're so stressed and we're so, you know, kind of tired of all of the things that have happened. And so basically we, we don't have that much leftover space to tolerate any sort of shenanigan that may happen throughout the day. And so I think that that's why we're seeing an increase in, you know, maybe a, a lack of compassion, a quick yeah. response of kind of blowing up because we don't have enough space left over. And so yeah. I love your, um, you know, your comment about really sort of taking a step back. And so when I work with folks in therapy, sometimes I, I have them try to take a very quick, immediate breath yeah. when they have the initial reaction of I'm going to blow, mm-hmm. And sometimes you can catch yourself if you can just take a quick breath and you can get kind of the front part of your brain back online so you're not just immediately reacting to choose a compassionate response um, because it can be really hard, right? When, you know, I picture my own life where I'm, I'm rushing after school, to get everything done before we have to get to practice. And the kids are hangry because they ate lunch like seven hours ago at 1030 in the morning. And that's what they call lunch. But, and, you know, everyone's hangry, everyone's stressed. And then some, you know, last week, my, um, my second grader spilled cereal all over the floor. And we were literally getting ready to walk out the door. I told him to grab a snack. He grabbed the entire box of Cheerios and then tried to pour them into a tiny baggie, which just didn't go well with his, yeah. his um, fine motor skills. Yeah. And shortly before that, he had already spilled an entire gallon-sized bag of water beads. So um, he didn't realize that when you throw a bag, like a gallon-sized bag filled with something, that it would explode. And so I had water bees all over the floor and I had Cheerios all over the kitchen floor. And I wanted to literally lose my bleep. (laughs) (laughs) And it really took an active choice of me to be like, and I'm going to take a breath Uh and I'm going to show compassion. And I'm going to say, I know that you are, I mean, he like almost melted down, you know, like, yeah. He was feeling the pressure. I was feeling the pressure. And so yeah. I think taking that breath and, and realizing those moments are really hard. And when we can get the front part of our brain to remind us, hey, compassion can still be a choice here. It can still be a choice here. Um, you know, y- you will never regret showing compassion. You may yeah. regret the alternative to them.
0: Yeah. That feels like the perfect sentence to end on right there. I love that. All right. So if folks want to know more about Core Essentials, they can find us at our website coreessentials.org or on social media at cevalues. And what about you, Beth?
1: Yeah. So my website is makewordsmatterforgood.com and I have two other podcasts. Kids These Days Need Us to Make Words Matter for Good and uh, my newest podcast called Things You Learn in Therapy. So I'd love folks to listen to
0: those. Yeah, that sounds great. I need to listen to that one. Well, We will be back next month with something else to discuss that I'm sure will be just as enlightening as this one. And, um, you know, we wish you compassion this month that you can show it and that you can find it in the world around you. So we'll be back with you soon. Take care.